Exodus chapter 32. Uh, for those of you who were not uh, with us last week, we began a brand new series uh, entitled uh, Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood. And uh, our core verse or our foundational verse um, is this verse, and I'll just read it to you. Uh, you might want to write it down somewhere. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. And here are the five pillars from those two verses that we're going to look at. And here's what Paul says. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. Those are the five pillars of biblical manhood. And last week, if you remember, we talked about the idea uh, of be on your guard, uh, watch your guard, be on your guard. And we looked at, uh, and all through this series, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you uh, a dude in Scripture that had an epic fail, okay? that he, he didn't uh, uh, do well. He wasn't on his guard. And how many of you remember who we talked about last week? Samson. And you remember Samson had all the power, all the might, all the everything, was, was a judge in Israel. But, man, he just blew it, ultimately because of his passions, his lust, uh, his unbridled desire for, for women, and uh, uh, just his own flesh uh, ended up destroying himself. And so someone who had so much promise ended up uh, destroying himself because he didn't guard himself. Uh, then who was the epic uh, win? It was Paul who all the way to the end said, I am being poured out like a drink offering. And then we used an example of Jesus Christ. Today, I, I want to talk to you about this idea. It's the second pillar, which it says, stand firm in your faith. You know, at some point, each and every one of us is going to be, uh, is going to be challenged uh, in our faith. Uh, if you are walking and you're bold in your faith, either at the office or uh, among your friends, sometimes in your family, uh, people are going to begin to challenge you in your faith. And it's in that season, in that time, uh, you're going to either have to stand firm or you're going to cower and you're going to back down. You're going to tuck your tail between your legs and you're going to walk away. You're going to remain silent. Uh, or you're going to, you know, just give up on your faith at all. At least uh, uh, we know that um, while it seems to be a season of respite uh, for, um, um, for much of our country, uh, that, uh, that the faith isn't being attacked as much as it used to, at least that's not the acknowledgement. They're all not focused on us, basically, is what I'm saying. But I'll just tell you, just hang in there. Uh, it's going to come back. Uh, it's going to come back uh, that, uh, that your faith, my faith, uh, is going to be attacked. And that's what Satan always does. And every once in a while, we, uh, we can seem to uh, not be attacked as much as we used to. But I will promise you, somewhere, somehow, in the near future, uh, our faith will be under attack. So uh, let, me, let me open us in prayer. Then we're going to dive into Scripture. I'm going to talk to you today about an epic fail. And I'm also going to tell you about an amazing victory of a guy uh, in, um, in Scripture that stood firm in their faith. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys. Thank you for the new guys. Uh, as we look to your word, I pray that you would challenge us and that you would uh, encourage each of us uh, to stand firm and to stay faithful as we walk uh, uh, in your word. God, as we look at these examples from Scripture, uh, I, I pray that you would just challenge each of us in here. And God, I can think about uh, seasons in my life. 
uh, where, um, where I didn't stand firm in my faith, uh, where I walked away from the faith, where I, I didn't live uh, out my faith in a way that was uh, bold and courageous. Uh, but God, I, I pray that through your spirit that you would keep me strong. And uh, for the men that are in the room, whether they're young or old, single or married, uh, I pray that you would keep them bold as well in their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as you look at that phrase uh, for that second pillar, which is stand firm in your faith, uh, that's a phrase that we see used uh, a number of times. If you're taking notes, you don't have to jump here, but let me just read a couple of them. Uh, Paul said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he said, so if you think you're standing firm, talking about right now, he said, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, that, that, that's an acknowledgment of a reality. That, that there have been people in the past and even people this day who you can look back at one point in their life, they stood firm, but they didn't watch themselves. They didn't guard themselves. They didn't guard their relationships. They didn't guard their mind. They didn't guard their heart. They didn't guard their will. They didn't guard anything. And what happened? They fell. So how should we operate? We need to be careful. How are we careful in our faith? First of all, don't let yourself be separated from other brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, don't let yourself get separated from reading God's Word, studying God's Word. Uh, don't get, let, your, let yourself become isolated uh, because we always need uh, the ability to have someone to lift us up and encourage us uh, when, when our faith begins to falter, when our weak, uh, uh, you know, when, when we become weak, when um, troubles begin to pile up, and they will in our lives, we need someone to be around us. We need other brothers to be around us. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder. That's what we talked about last week uh, when we talked about Paul being the example. Uh, of us, if we're going to be, um, if we're going to stay courageous in our faith, uh, we need to put on our full armor of God. But the reality, we talked about putting on the full armor of God. But the armor is only good uh, if you're standing shoulder to shoulder with others who have shields. Uh, and uh, there are times if you go down, they can gather around you, they can protect you uh, until you are back to hell. So I want to encourage you with that. That we need to understand that we need to be careful. If you are flying high right now spiritually, and I pray that many of you guys are, um, I want you to know, be careful, because Satan would love to take you out. Uh, if, uh, if you've been struggling, if you've been down on your back and you're trying to re-energize your walk and your faith and your life, um, I want to encourage you. You're not the only person that's been on his back. You're not the per only person that's been weak and struggling and uh, been through difficulties. You're not the only one that there are others who have been there like you, and there are some great, great examples all the way through God's Word about guys that were down, on their, uh, down to their luck, down on their back, and all of a sudden stood up and were firm in their faith again. And so I want to encourage you with that. Uh, here's another one. Uh, if you just want to write it down, Philippians chapter 1, verse 22 says, Paul says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he says, Then... Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you have stood firm in one spirit. What is he saying? He says, listen, first of all, con conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. If we call ourselves believers, let's do our best to act like believers, talk like believers, have relationships like believers, uh, stand firm in our faith. And Paul says, therefore, if I come see you, that'll be great. He goes, but if I don't even get to see you, but if all I do is get to hear about you, talking about the Philippian believers, he goes, I'll know that you're standing firm in one, one spirit. Part of that is, man, don't get distracted by the little stuff. 
you know, don't argue over the little stuff in church or, you know, around church or, you know, don't argue about the music. Don't argue about this. Don't argue about that. If you don't like something in church, man, but you see God blessing a church, man, just, just celebrate what's good and keep, keep about the mission. You know, make sure that we're sharing the gospel and we're seeing people saved and we're seeing people baptized and we're staying on mission for Christ. He says, man, stand firm in one spirit. In other words, uh, don't do uh, what James, the brother of Jesus, uh, warned uh, the believers about in uh, James chapter 1. He says, man, what causes dissensions among you? He says, it's your selfishness. It's your own pride. It's your own desires. It's this. And what does that do? That splits the brother. So Paul says right there, he says, stand firm. In one spirit. In other words, let's have a heartbeat to go after the lost, to reach people who are unchurched and unsaved. And here's the beauty of, of where we are. Uh, man, the, the unchurched are moving in next to us, if you haven't noticed. They're coming from all over. And so God is literally, we send people out on mission. We have a mission of the month here at Cottonwood every, every month. We have a different mission of the month. But the beauty, God is bringing the mission field to us. And, man, the fields are white for harvest. And so let's be on mission uh, for Christ. Here's another one, and it's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, Paul says, So then, brothers and sisters, uh, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings that were passed on to you. So not only do we want to stand firm in one spirit, we want to be on our guard so we do not fall, but we need to stand firm and hold fast to the teachings that have been delivered to you. You're, um, uh, you're, you're countless, uh, uh, you're no doubt countlessly, if you're reading or hearing things, being bombarded with people that are teaching, yeah, you know, the Bible, this is that, and this is that, and, you know, Hawkins just died recently, and, man, he all, everybody made a big deal every time he came out with a new quote about this or a quote about that. Uh, you know, there's always going to be somebody. That's when we train our young, young people here uh, as they grow up through our student ministry and heading off into college. Man, college, they're gonna, they're, their faith is going to get attacked. And they're going uh, uh, to be challenged in their faith and in their walk. And they need to hold fast to the teachings of their faith. Now, here's another one. And uh, here's one, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Uh, we're going to be close to this, and I'll reference this passage here in a, few, in a few minutes. It says, Moses answered the people and said, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord today. In Exodus chapter 14, how many of you know where he was? Moses and the children of Israel walked up there at the edge of the Red Sea. So what do you see? You see water in front. Who was behind them? Man, the Egyptian Pharaoh and all of his army, they were pursuing him. And the children of Israel, what did they do? They begin to grumble and they begin to say, wouldn't it have been better for us to die in slavery back in Egypt? You know, yeah, that's a, that's a great option if that's your only option. You know, so what did he do? He said, stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. So guys, if you're in a state, in a season, in a place in your life right now where you're beginning to get weak need, you feel like in some areas, in some spaces, in some places, you're beginning uh, to your faithfulness to God and the church and the reading of the Word. You're beginning to tuck your tail between your legs. I just want to encourage you with this. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. If you quit and give up, you'll never see God do His greatest work. So I want to encourage you to stand firm. So today, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to look at in each one of these, uh, uh, these stories, I'm showing you an epic fail, someone who didn't stand firm in a season, in a time, and someone who did. 
And so I want to go all the way back to the Old Testament. And here's your epic fail if you're taking notes. Your epic fail. A guy named Aaron. Uh, somebody tell me, what do you know about Aaron? Aaron in the Old Testament. Aaron from the book of Exodus. What do you know? He's a priest, all right? He becomes a priest. Moses' brother, younger brother, older brother? Older brother, all right? Say that again. He was more confident, though. What else do we know? No, that's a little later. That's a little later. That's okay. Hey, good, 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 good going. Huh? Moses' spokesman right there, right there. How many of you remember? All right, here's how we're introduced into Aaron. By the way, I'd rather you guess and then go be challenged to go back and read. That's a great thing. I got no problem with that. I want you to know that. Uh, that, that here's where we're introduced to Aaron, all right? How many of you remember Exodus chapter 1? Uh, remember, Joseph had gone at the end of Genesis. Joseph had gone uh, to, uh, uh, to Egypt. Why? I mean, not Joseph. Joseph's family had come to Egypt. Why? Because Joseph was there in Egypt, and he had become the second person because of his faithfulness in life. He had become the second person in charge of, uh, uh, of all uh, the things in Egypt. Uh, he had seen in a vision, there had been a dream that there was going to be seven years of, uh, uh, of great uh, produce, and there would be seven years of famine. And uh, so what he did is he stored up a lot of grain. Uh, then Joseph's brothers, who had sold him uh, off into slavery, had put him ultimately in there to begin with and had gone through Potiphar's house, and now he's up in Pharaoh after going through prison and a number of other difficulties. He's there, and the brothers are sent by their father to go to Egypt to get food. And they show up right there, and Joseph is standing there. And you remember, they have to ultimately beg him. And uh, then they realize it's Joseph. He reveals himself as, by the way, I'm, I'm the dude you sold into slavery. Now, can you imagine how you would have been? You'd have been a little weak need, and they were. And what did, what did Joseph ultimately say? He says, listen, you meant to harm me, harm me but God meant it for good. And so... Uh, uh, the children of Israel stayed right there, and they began to grow, and they began to grow, and they began to grow. And then there's a statement as you open up um, in Exodus chapter 1. It says, there came a Pharaoh who did not remember Joseph. And what was he worried about? That the children of Israel there in Egypt had grown so numerous and so many that someday he felt they might, might have uh, uh, actually turned on the Egyptians. You know, there were just too many of them in there. And they said, listen, we don't want all these people that are outsiders. Uh, they're becoming too numerous. And so remember what Pharaoh did. He says, here's what I want you to do. If you're, if you're a midwife, I want you to, every time there's an infant that is born, I want you to smother it. I want you to kill it. I want you to throw it uh, into the Nile or something like that. Now, Here's what we know about Aaron. Uh, he's not referenced there, but he was Joseph's older brother uh, by three or four years. And uh, so he clearly was born prior to the time that Pharaoh had delivered that edict to kill all the babies. That's where Moses, remember, ended up getting, uh, getting out into the water in the, in, in the basket uh, uh, of reeds there. But here's what we know. He was either older before that edict was given, or he was much like uh, Moses, who some of the Hebrew midwives refused to kill him. So he is Joseph's, uh, he is uh, Moses' senior by a couple of weeks. Now, we really don't hear any couple of years, we don't hear anything about Aaron until basically 
Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 is at the burning bush. How many of you remember the burning bush experience? So Moses is sitting there. He's having conversations uh, with the burning bush. Um, and uh, as he's talking to the burning bush, God says, Moses, uh, my people are, uh, are in hardship. They're struggling. They're hurting uh, down, in, uh, down in Egypt. And I want you to go, and I want you to lead my people out. How many of you remember that Moses went through a number of excuses, right? He goes, who am I? Who are you? What do I say? All of those things. If you come down to Exodus chapter 4, and this is something that um, you and I need to take away, although this isn't the topic of the day. God puts up uh, with all of Moses' legitimate excuses. Moses doubts his own ability. Moses doubts that he'll know what to say. Moses doubts whether the people were receiving. And God just answers him. Says, I'll show you a sign. I'll give you power. I'll give you the words to say. You don't worry about that. Just trust me. And don't worry about the fact that you've been out on the backside of the desert talking to sheep for 40 years as as a sheep herder. Uh, You know, Moses sitting there going, you know, I, I was a lot younger. And how many of you know how old Moses was at this time? 80 years old. Who in here is 80 years old? All right. So uh, you're about to do something great. And uh, so I believe it. I, I believe it. Now, you know, couldn't you imagine, couldn't you, couldn't you imagine Moses saying, hey, God, couldn't we have had this conversation 40 years ago? Uh, you know, when I was in Pharaoh's house, yeah, what you got? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, and if you didn't hear what he said, he says, aren't aren't many of us just exactly like Moses in that season with lots of excuses? God says, hey, I want you to trust me in this. I want you to do this. I want you to step up here. I want you to act here. We've got a lot of excuses, just like Moses. You know, who am I? What am I going to say? How am I going to do this? Sometimes, even in our life, uh, our excuses are our failures, our past failures. And let me tell you what, I got plenty of them. I've got plenty of past failures in my life that, 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 that could be excuses in my life. And my guess is there are some here today that you have some excuses in your life that are keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. Now, if you go all the way back to that conversation, if you want to read that conversation between Moses and God in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, God doesn't get mad until Moses says this. Please, Lord, send someone else. If you want to know if God's anger burns against you because you doubt your abilities, nope. If uh, God's anger burns against you because you have a failed past, nope. If you want to know if God's anger burns against you because uh, you're not sure how others are going to respond when you begin to follow him in a strong faith, nope. You want to know when God's anger burns against you? is when you're unwilling to do what he tells you to do. When you're unwilling to do just being disobedient, all right? So I'm going to encourage you in your faith and in your walk, if you fall, fall forward. Fall forward. Man, if you're flat on your back right now, just get up and start plowing forward and trust God. And so here's what happened. God's anger burns against Moses, and he goes, what about your brother, Aaron? And so God gives Moses Aaron to come alongside with 
beside him, and he says, you know, I, he says, I, he'll go with you. Now, here's what we also know, is that God apparently speaks to Aaron and says, I want you to go meet Moses in the wilderness. God talks to Moses and said, hey, go meet Aaron in the wilderness. They show up, and immediately Aaron says, I'm in. He says, let's go. And so that's where we're first introduced, uh, uh, basically, uh, to Aaron. Then let me give you a couple other things. He seems pretty willing um, at first. Uh, if you go through um, Exodus chapter 4, remember when they got, the latter part of chapter 4, when they got into uh, uh, to Egypt, and they gathered the elders, which was one of the first things that Moses was worried about. Uh, they gathered the elders together in Exodus chapter 4, and uh, they said, listen, uh, God has chosen Moses to deliver the children of Israel. Who had that conversation with them? Aaron. Aaron is the one that spoke for God and for Moses to those, uh, to those elders, beginning in verse 27. Then as you journey down just a little bit further, uh, man, he, had, he was quick to follow God. He was obedient. Uh, man, when they're standing before Pharaoh, Aaron is right there uh, with Moses. Uh, oftentimes, it's Aaron's staff, if you look at it. It's Aaron's staff that God uses uh, to uh, perform a miracle. It's not necessarily Moses' staff. It's Aaron's staff. Uh, also, uh, uh, let's see, you go, you go a little further on in Scripture. We won't be here today. Uh, in Exodus chapter 16, again, when the people grumbled, it's not uncommon. When you, when you think about Aaron being right there with Moses, it didn't say that the children of Israel grumbled against Moses. Time and time again, it says they, Moses, uh, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron. You know, look at those two brothers up there. They have no clue. They walked us all out here in the desert and there's no water, right? And they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So, man, Moses was right. I mean, Aaron was right there with him. Uh, I think Tim mentioned this. Uh, Aaron is ultimately uh, the first priest in Israel. He's from the tribe of Levite, but there is what is referred to as the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron's priesthood, that, that, uh, that those who followed Aaron and his bloodline within uh, the tribe of Levi, Levi, they become the priests of Israel. They go all the way through to the New Testament, all right? We go into the New Testament. That's still the tribe of Levi. I just talked about that a while back uh, from the platform, and that all comes from the Aaron, Aaron's line. Now, remember, I said not all Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites, you remember me making that statement? Because some of them were not from the line, even within the Levites, of being Aaron's offspring. Does that make sense? So this goes all the way back to Aaron. Uh, he's a priest. How many of you remember the battle with the Amalekites? When, uh, when Joshua is down in the valley and he is fighting and he is battling, you at least remember the story. And the battle wages, and as long as Moses stood up on the mountain with his hands up, there you go, all right? And, uh, but when Moses got tired and his hands down, then the Amalekites began to uh, push Joshua back, and Moses would lift his hand down. How many of you remember what they did? It says Aaron brought over, got, it, got, it, got a stone, set Moses down, and two guys held, held Moses' hands up all day long in the battle. Who were those two guys? Aaron and Hur. And that's not a him and a her. Her was a him. So just so y'all know that, all right? Spelled a little differently. I don't want y'all to go out here and say, there's a girl out there. No, there wasn't. Uh, they never are. Um, so uh, delete that before we put it online. 
So uh, that's biblical manhood. Uh, so anyway, Aaron and Hur, I mean, if you look at it, he's there. Uh, also, uh, when Moses goes up on the mountain in Exodus chapter 24 to speak with God and minister to God, he, Moses leaves Aaron and Hur down there to deal with the disputes of the people. So when the people had disputes, they went to So Aaron was a pretty awesome friend of Moses. He was a good leader uh, in God's kingdom. And so here's what happens. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 32, and let's pick up and begin to read of his epic fell in verse 1. It said, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know, listen to this, what has happened to him. So Moses goes up on the mountain to talk with God. Moses is gone for a long time. The people get pretty impatient. Uh, at this time, they realize Aaron's kind of the next in line. He's the, uh, he's the next big dude. So they gather around um, Aaron. And what is their request? Basically, make us some gods. I mean, we need some idols. I mean, that's, that's what they had seen right in Egypt. That's all they had known. By this time, they had been journeying around the desert a number of times. They had, they'd had to battle other people. What had they noticed when they were in battle against other people? Other people were carrying their God, right? And that's part of what they were doing. That's where they thought they would gain strength, that their God. So they would have some sort of uh, golden image here or a bronze image there. So it was not uncommon for the children of Israel when they were journeying through the desert for these 40 years. They would have a skirmish with the tribe over here. And guess what? This table, uh, they might have a little idol made of something, and they would see it there. And, so, uh, and then this group, uh, uh, they would have some idol, and they would have some totem pole, and they would have some idol, and they'd have something else. So it wasn't uncommon. So the children of Israel said, well, we don't have Moses, and nor do we have an idol. We need something that will give us some strength when we are in the midst of a battle, when we are making it through. And, and we want it to be pretty awesome looking. We want it to be pretty powerful looking. And so what we need is an image, right? And so they go to, go to Aaron. They said, listen, we don't know what's happened to this Moses guy. I know he's your brother who brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what's happened. So here are three things that caused Aaron to fail. Let me just give them to you. Number one, number one, instead of standing firm in his faith, he had weak knees. He had weak spiritual knees. When the people came against him and began to grumble against him and Moses wasn't standing alongside him, he had some weak knees. Man, Aaron gives in uh, to the pressure uh, that they put on him to build them some sort of idol and some sort of calf. Uh, and so what it says, while the people declared uh, that we need a God, so notice what it says. Pick it up, reading verse 2. It says, and Aaron answered them. He says, all right, here's what we're going to do. He says, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they handed him and made it into an idol and cast it into the shape of a calf, all right? Fashion it with the tool. Then they said, then he said, uh, there are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. All right. So the men, the people of uh, Israel come to Aaron who had been faithful, who had been obedient. He had been there all the time. And all of a sudden in this season, in this moment, Aaron feels isolated and alone. 
and he allows himself to develop spiritually weak knees. He backs away, and he, and he succumbs to the will of the people. Let me tell you what, if, if you're going to succumb to the will of the people uh, when it comes to your faith, I will promise you almost, unless you have yourself surrounded by great, strong, spiritual giants, the will of the people in your life is always going to be to draw you away from God and not to God. And so I want you to know, don't assume, man, because you look at Aaron's life up until this point, there is nothing about this situation that you would have seen coming. I mean, when, when Moses said, we're going to Israel, we're going to speak to Pharaoh, we're going to talk to the elders, we're going to do this, Moses said, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. When there were disputes in the crowd, man, he was there. I mean, he was faithful. Now, there are other times that we see Aaron fall away, but this is one. Here's the second thing. How did he not stand firm in the faith? He had weak values. He had weak values. First of all, he had weak knees. He, he let the will of the people overwhelm him. But look at this, weak values. Man, Aaron um, tried to take the faith that God was pulling him out to and synthesize them and merge them with the faiths of the other people. Tried to, tried to create some, some hybrid religion, some heteroxity. Some, some different merging and synthesizing of other, other religions. Why? The children of Israel had seen everybody else they had seen. They had remembered all the way back into Egypt that all of these idols that they had, and they had all these gods and all of these things. And so Aaron decides, as the priest, all right, what I'm going to do, there's probably nothing wrong with this. I'm going to synthesize this. It'll be good for the people, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to them. I'm going to do it for them. And so he tries to say, that's weak values. You and I cannot have... Weak Christian values. We have to look at God's word and say, this is what I stand on. This is what I believe. This is where Jesus says I get salvation. This is where Genesis says I get salvation. This is where Revelation said those who are going to be in heaven with God got salvation. And I need to study it. I need to learn it. I need to be able to walk with it. I need to be able to believe it. If I have doubts and questions about it, I need to go ahead and ask my questions. I need to find answers to them. That's what I need to do. I don't need to look to synthesize the Bible and something else. I need to look to it, stand firm in my faith, and so that's where he made his mistake. He had some weak spiritual values. He thought, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and everything will be okay. Look at what we see. Pick it up reading in verse 2. It says, and Aaron answered them. He says, take off your gold and your earrings, your wives and your sons and everybody who is wearing. Uh, oh, I'm reading back. Excuse me. Jump down to verse 5. He says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow... There will be a festival to the Lord. So what is he doing? He's still saying, we're going to worship God. He says, but we're going to worship God at this altar in front of this synthesized calf that we've just made. So the next day, the people rose up early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and to drink and got up to indulge in revelry. What happens? As soon as they begin to synthesize their religion, they head off down the wrong path. And so they create this altar. So, I'm, guys, I'm going to tell you, uh, you need strong values. 
You need to understand, here's what God's Word says. This is where I'm going to stand. This is where I'm going to stay. Don't get weak knees when the, when the will of the people and the will of the crowd and those who are not of the faith and not walking firm in their faith, when they begin to place influence on you, don't let your knees become weak. When others want to synthesize uh, the faith and Scripture and Christianity with other religions, don't do it. Don't do it because ultimately it will destroy you. It will destroy the people. Now, here's the third thing. He had some weak integrity. He ended up with an integrity problem. And what do, you know, what do I mean by that? He's about to get caught. How many of you know the rest of the story? Moses doesn't stay on the mountain. You've seen it. Remember, what was, the, what was that great show, great movie, that, that biblically uh, strong, uh, uh, how many of you know which one I'm talking about? It's where uh, Moses had 15 commandments and he threw a tablet down. And <laughs> History of the world. Okay. Uh, it was made, I think, by the Billy Graham Association slash Monty Python. Um, how many of you remember that story? Okay, that joke. All right. What happened? Moses comes down the mountain. And as Joshua has been waiting at the base of the mountain, uh, Joshua says, hey, it sounds like there's a disturbance down there, thinking there might be a battle. You know, Joshua's the fighter. He said, man, let's go down there. Let's, you know, pull out the sword. Let's roll. Uh, Moses says, ah, I don't think that's a battle going on down there. That sounds like a party. And so notice what happens. Now, here's the weak knees, all right? Here's the weak integrity we see. Uh, when, when, when Aaron gets caught, he doesn't own up. When he blows it, he doesn't own up. He begins to blame the people. So notice what we see. Pick it up reading in uh, Exodus chapter 32. Jump down to verse 21. And it says this. So Moses came down and said, What have you done? He said to Aaron, Who or, or what do these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Now notice... Moses is calling out Aaron. What did these people do to you that caused you to lead them into this great sin? Notice verse 22. He says, do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. What are you beginning to see? He's beginning to pass the buck, right? He says, hey, listen, Mo, um, we know these people, right? And they are prone to grumble and argue and do all of this evil. And so notice what he says. He says, do not be angry, my Lord. Aaron answered, you know how prone these people are to evil. Now, let me ask you a question. Why did Moses go to Aaron? Somebody tell me. He was the priest. He was the priest. You go look in Exodus chapter 17 is kind of when he was, being, he was made the priest. He was the priest at this time. He was the spiritual leader. Moses was the political and uh, leader. He was the spiritual leader of the time. And so when Moses comes down and sees a, an idol and sees an altar and sees a religious ceremony, Moses goes and he points his finger at Aaron and says, it is is on your shoulders. And I will tell you guys that as a pastor, as a man who tries to lead this church and guys back there who try to lead this church, uh, we get lots of influences to try to do this and try to do that. 
He says, but our, but our job, guys, ultimately is to make sure we stay faithful to God's Word and what God has called us to do and the Great Commission. And, and it's also our job, guys, to make sure that if you or others in the church are building little idols that they worship, that we're tearing them down. Now, let me just tell you what. You go tearing down idols, traditions in the Baptist church, and people will impel you with great laughter and joy. They will celebrate it, all right? Y'all tell me, um, be honest, what are some things in the church, some traditions in the church? Uh, now, be careful, don't, don't, don't impel one of mine, uh, or that will not go well for your soul. Um, that people have a tendency to worship. Idols, people have a tendency to worship in church. Just throw some. Huh? Thank you, Joe. A particular kind of music. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A particular kind of, and thank you. I love the way you said that. A particular kind of music. That's right. You got some people, man, they want to they blow and go, and, and they want, you know, they want the, the drums and the electric guitar because all the old stuff is bad. You got some people that, that man, they, they love all the old stuff and all the hymns and all the new stuff is bad. And some people like, you know, more of a rocky, edgy feel in their Christian music, and some like more of a southern gospel. And you know what? The reality of it is that's, that's, that's building an idol. We got to be careful. Somebody else had something over here. A seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a man who shed some blood. He's, he sat in the wrong seat in the past. Are you serious? Good look. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you... You talk anytime you want to. That was funny. <laughs> Brian, Brian, what do you got? Brian, you raise your hand. I don't even know where you're going with that, but I don't like it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, there are, but there is, there is a truth. There's some people that like this guy over that guy or this person over that person. I like him. I like, you know, there are times within the church. Uh, you know, it's happened in this church that all of a sudden someone, someone begins to develop a little group and their little people and their little following. They'll begin to speak against the church and talk about the church. It's, it's happened in this church. And that's, a, you want to be careful, man. Remember, it's about, it's, it's about the word. It's about, what, what did Paul say? Stand firm in maintaining the one spirit. Man, there are times you might find yourself in a season this week, or you might, you might be thinking right now, you know what, now that I think about it, there, there's a group over here that is developing, and they've got their little idol, and everything's judged by their filter and what they do and what they think is right. And we've got to be careful. But now listen, when something is purely against God's Word, you don't be bashful and weak-kneed about pointing it out. But if it's a personal preference... Make sure you don't make it your God. I'm going to say that again. If it is a personal preference, make sure it doesn't become your God. All right, we're going to get through the first half, and here's what I want to read with. So let's read on. I want you to show the weakness in his integrity. We're just going to get through the epic fail today. I'll pick up the sweet victory next week, and you want to come back next week because I, my, this is one of my favorite victories 
in all of God's word, and I want you to hear it. And so here it is. But let's read on. He says, he said to Aaron, uh, he said, Aaron, what did these people do that you led them astray to do such great sin? He says, do not be angry, my Lord. Aaron said, you know, he's passing the buck, how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us a God who will go before us. What did they want? The people wanted an idol that looked strong, right? They wanted something that would go before them. So when we showed up in enemy territory, they would at least be afraid of our idol, all right? They would at least be afraid of our idol. And so uh, they said to me, make for us a God that will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. What are they saying? He's been up there. He could be dead. He could have been dead a long time ago. He's gone. He hadn't sent a messenger back. We don't know what's going on. We need a leader, so make for us an idol. They go to the priest at the time, and he says, So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and poof, out came a calf. All right, how many of you remember what I just read? It says they fashioned this calf, all right? And they, they, they molded, they made this, and that Hebrew word there says that, that they, they heated the gold, they melted it in a cauldron, and they began to fashion, and they began to carve, and they began to hone this calf. They made it into the exact image they wanted. Now, they made it into a bull, right? We've all seen the movie, right? You've had actual footage. Uh, we've seen the movie. I mean, it's a pretty stout looking. It's got muscular. I mean, what, what do they like about the, calf, uh, about the calf, about the bull? They love the bull. It was not uncommon, by the way. In those days, it was not uncommon for, for pagan people to alter bulls as a sacrifice to the god. Why? It was a symbol of fertility, the bull, right? How many of you know that? That's a birds and a bees thing. We'll do it in a different class. Uh, but, but a bull, uh, they're strong. They're powerful, right? They're horns. I mean, so they, they chose something that in those days was a pretty bad animal, okay? It was strong. It was powerful. They fashioned it. They honed it. And Moses says, hey, why did you do this? And Aaron, in his weak integrity... Instead of saying, man, I failed, I blew it, he goes, instead of just saying, I don't know what I was thinking, or instead of just saying, I succumbed to the will of the people, instead of doing all that, he goes, you know, those sorry people. He says, they've been grumbling against us forever. He says, so what I did is I had them all bring their gold to me when they wondered about it. I threw it in the, threw it in the fire and poof. Out came this calf. That isn't what happened at all. He didn't own his sin and he didn't own his failure. He didn't own his fail. So, guys, my encouragement to you is don't have weak knees in your faith. Don't have weak values and try to synthesize our faith with somebody else's faith. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And if you blow it, own it. Because that's when forgiveness comes in. I love what John said in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, I pray that these men here today would be epic winners when they leave here today. That you'd give them epic victories. God, if they're, they're, they're walking through a, a sinful failure right now, pray that you just wake them up.
She would have them gather themselves around other brothers, other believers who will lift them up and encourage them. God, I pray that we as men would, would be honest about seeing idols that we've built in our lives that cause us to worship sports or people or money or our homes and our things or our jobs or even our reputations or our relationship. God, I pray that we would be men who don't worship idols, but we worship the one true God. And when we fail, we would confess and we would own it. And let us be men who stand firm in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.